want to introduce this morning. Um, we, we all know um, Pastor Patricia Messer. And um, so I, I, I called her a guest, but she's not really a guest. She's, this, is, this, is, this is, we're part of her family. And um, how many of you, can you, you just show your love for Patricia right now as we welcome her? Isn't, we love you so much. And um, if, if you've heard her before, you know that this is going to be passionate, it's going to be heartfelt, it's going to be deep in the rivers of, of heaven. And um, so let's give her the time this morning. Love you. Can you hear me? Do I need it closer? Or just, okay. I do need, or talk louder. Okay. Um, I almost forgot my box of Kleenexes, and anybody who's heard me knows I generally need Kleenex. Um, <laughs> I do carry the message of love wherever I go. Um, I, um, it's just, it's the message he's placed in me. You know, some people will say it's just a feel-good message. They're completely wrong. <laughs> It is the foundational message of our whole life. Do you have the picture that I sent, staying rooted and grounded in love? Or not? Maybe not, oh, that's okay. Um, I don't do PowerPoints because <laughs> I always have lots of ideas, but when I get up here, um, God generally takes me sideways. Um, and so I, I did one slide. <laughs> That's all I did, and it's the title of the message. But before I even get started, I want to start in prayer. And I'm going to just ask you to join with me. And some of you um, have a prayer language, and um, I really feel like God has asked me to ask you pray in the, your prayer language while I'm, I'm, I'm releasing this um, prayer because I don't want my agenda. I don't want my knowledge. I just want Holy Spirit to move in my heart, in your heart. I want Holy Spirit to open our eyes. So let's all just start with that and that founding truth. And first, I forgot to welcome everyone online. I know um, there are people online, and I want to welcome you, and I want to thank every one of you that's sitting here. And some of you are usually elsewhere on Sunday morning, and um, you came to show support to me, and I bless you, and I thank you for that. So yeah, let's start in prayer. Papa God, you wreck me again and again and again. You are so good. And I thought of one of the songs today. It's like, you know, there are no words. How do I even have words? God, how do I even have words to express the magnitude of who you are? Because words are such little tiny containers. So I just stand here before you with my heart and my hands just displayed before you. And just surrendered. God, your majesty, your beauty, your glory is unspeakable, your love is unfathomable. And I stand as a mere human just trying to carry that message of your love, your extravagant, scandalous love, but I cannot do it apart from you, so I just come surrendered. And I pray a blessing over every ear that is tuned in. My Lord, God, may they feel a kiss in their ears, Lord, and an opening up in things that they have been deaf to, God. And Lord, a washing of our eyes where it's been cloudy and we haven't seen clearly. Lord, God, come wash away the gunk 
in our vision. And Lord God, we give you access to our heart and the walls that we've built over time, over hurts, over wounds. We say, come and start dismantling our hearts, Lord God. We want truth and nothing, nothing but the truth, Lord God, where we have taken a wrong understanding and a wrong path, God, I know that you gently come and pick us up. You carry us in your arms and you take us back where we belong and you are never disappointed and angry. May we feel that love in this house today and may my words be in alignment with your heart and Papa God, any word that leaves this mouth that is not pure from your heart, I pray it falls down and nobody hears it. And Lord, the words that you want released that I maybe don't release, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you put them in their hearts and in their ears. We trust you. We know you're good. We love you. We love you. We love you. And we welcome you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so that's the title. What I love about God is his, he's just so good. And I could literally stand here for days and I could give you an example after an example after example of how he's shown up in my life in so many dark areas. So many times I was in a pit and desperate and he showed up again and again and he's done it in kindness. Never once when I got myself in a pit did he ever wag his finger at me because that's not what he does. He never shames, he never guilts, and he never condemns. He beckons and he welcomes and he draws us. You know the song, Lord, I'm running into your arms. The picture I got during that song was, I was running all right, but he was running just as fast towards me. And he caught me and he lifted me up in the air and he swirled me around. Do we believe he's running after us? No matter where we are, do we believe he's, he's gonna pick us up and carry us and hold us? So come last May, Sean had asked me, um, if I would speak last man, it's my, it's my passion. I love to talk about his love. And so right away I said yes, because that's what I do. And I'm learning to like, oh, even though I want to do something, I need to sit with God and ask him if it's the right timing. And I had just come back from a retreat and speaking four messages. And so I had said yes to him. Boom. I knew the topic. I knew the title. And then as I'm driving home, I'm like, but I really didn't talk to you about the timing, God. So I, I, I told Pastor Sean, you know, I just think I need to um, debrief after the women's retreat and four messages. It was, um, how do I want to say it? A few of you in this room were there. It was, um, it was good. <laughs> it was powerful. God was on the move. It was really good. And I just needed to like sit in that for a little bit and see what he was doing. So I knew the title staying rooted and grounded in love. Um, it is what I always speak about, and I come about it in different ways, but it's the message of my life. Um, the very first message I ever gave was about five years ago to the date on this stage, and I had never been on a platform like this, and um, I was sweating it, and, um, which I tend to do with my personality. And I was like, what do you want me to speak about? Because I had all these ideas and these topics. Like, what topic do you want me to speak about, God? And he said then, and I think it's going to be forever, he said, tell them your story. Tell them our story, our love story. 
And so that's what I did that day. And some of you, you know, basically, um, some of you have heard me talk and some of you haven't. Um, some of the things I'm gonna say, you've heard me say before, but I feel like God says because it's, it's part of who you are and it's foundational to your message. And so some of you are gonna need to hear that so you know where my message is coming from and why my message is the message it is. I'm sparing you my life story because that's just too big, but I will start. Um, isn't this funny? My roommate is here and she's watched me the last two weeks because I had a pile of notes I've been collecting on things I wanted to say and I sat down last week and it wasn't working. And I felt like Holy Spirit came and went to all my notes and I'm like, okay. He didn't do that to the, the title, but to the way I was going at the title. So next day comes, fresh start. I'm gonna sit down, we're gonna do this. That must have been me yesterday. Here's the notes, trying to figure out the order. And I'm like, okay, God, okay, God. I, I, you know, I'm, I've walked with you long enough. Okay, a couple years ago, at a really tough time, um, I was on my way to Mayo. I, some of you know I've dealt with a, a health issue for quite a few years. And before I was going to Mayo, he said it very strongly, not meanly, but just like boldly. So I even wrote it down in my journal, boldly. He said, oh, so beautiful. Trust our relationship. He didn't say trust me. He didn't say trust the Bible. He said, trust our relationship. That's why I actually asked Sean to, to play that song, History. I usually never ask the lead, the, you know, lead worship leader. Um, I don't give them a request. But a couple weeks ago, I was sitting with God in the quiet time, and I felt he started singing that to me. And then he reminded me of the trust our relationship. You can't trust someone you don't have a relationship with. People can come to you and say, trust God, trust God, trust the word. You need to have trust. But you gotta have a history. And you know what? That doesn't bother God. I'm gonna tell you something. When you have trouble trusting him, it doesn't rattle him. He knows what's missing in your heart and he knows what's missing in your life. He's okay. He's just going to invite you into a deeper relationship so that trust can grow. So anyway, back to I'm laughing and my roommate's here. So I've got stuff, but he wouldn't let me put it in an order. It's in my heart um, and I, I, I put ideas down here, but I know where we're going but I have little notes that he might draw me to. I know I have some scriptures he's gonna draw me to. Um, but my life has been a life of learning to be a receiver and let go. And those are incredibly, incredibly hard things to do. You know, Jesus said to be in the world but not of the world. And we immediately as Christians go, yeah, you know, stay away from those drugs and that drinking and, you know, sleeping around. I think it's way deeper than that. When he said, you know, that we're in the world but not of it, 
Like, don't operate according to the world's systems. Don't operate according to the world's systems. But I'm going to be honest. I think for the most part, pointing my fingers at me, but I think for the most part, it is in all of us. It's in the church because it's the Western culture. This is our culture. Work hard and get a reward. Do right and be blessed. Problem solve it. Think it through. You're not going to just go do something. You've got to think it through. So we devise plans, procedures, routines, outlines, because we got to think this through. We, we need to understand. Because if we understand, we think, oh, I got this. I got this. I can do this. I was laying on my bed a couple summers ago, and I was going like this. And in my head, I was trying to make a decision. I don't even know what the decision was. <laughs> and this is what happens. When he speaks to me something that he is writing on my heart, like everything goes in that moment. He's so good and so kind. He's never wagging his finger at me. So I'm going like this, trying to make a decision. And I hear the Spirit say, so do you want to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And I was like a little kid with their hands caught in the cookie jar because my hands are like here. And that's exactly what I was doing. See, I had the illusion that when we eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, once again, I thought that was just morally. But it's not. It's living from up here. It's us trying to figure out what's the best thing, what's not so good, what's the best thing and what's not so good. And that will drive us crazy. So instead of doing that, or someone comes along and they say, well, we'll just tell you what's good and we'll write it down here what's good and then you just do that and everything's gonna be fine. But what happens is that focuses us on us. If I just figure this out and I have this little box and I do all these little things, everything's gonna be good. But life doesn't work that way. And I can attest to that because my personality is to do that. There's a problem, I'm gonna research it, I'm gonna figure it out, and I'm gonna solve it. There's a problem, I, I, I'm, I need to be responsible for it. I'm a, I'm a single woman, who else is gonna be taking care of me? Um, I, I, I need to solve it. Going through the health journey the last five years, there is a problem. I'm wasting away. I can't eat. I'm getting sick. I'm losing my job. I gotta, I gotta do something. I gotta do something. So then I start eating from the tree of the knowledge. I go, well, what's better? What's not better? But you know what that does? It causes anxiety. It causes fear. God's saying, stop eating from that tree and come and just rest against the tree of life. Really, it is that easy, but we don't believe it. We want someone to tell us, what does it look like to be a good Christian? What does it look like to be a good person? Because I'll do that, and all of us have different reasons. I'll do it because, and it's a fill in the blank. Because I need to, because I have to, because I love you so much, because if I don't, this will happen. 
but we're driven by our minds in the Western culture. We are driven by our minds, and we bypass our heart. And let's see, I, by golly, I think he's going to have me pull a verse up. I'm going to turn to Matthew 15, 7. So Matthew 15, 7. Of course, I didn't write this one down, but he had me in it a couple days ago, and then um, he had me in it this morning. Okay, so he's talking, and he's saying, okay, these are the people that know the word. They know the word of God. Boy, do they know the word of God intellectually. They know it. We got to be careful that that's not where it stops for us. He says, you hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you saying, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me. So they're worshiping him. They're using their lips to talk about him, but watch. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. They're operating out of their head, not out of their heart. And it's how we've been programmed, friends, from the time we are itty-bitty. Make good choices, make good choices. Work hard, get good grades, make good choices, make good choices. And so we're, we're, it's like we're on a treadmill, and we're so focused on us and our choices. And a lot of it is because we want to do the right thing. We will feel safe if we have control. There's lots of different reasons. God showed me one time in a vision sitting at a table with him, and it was one of those, like I can tell you where I was at times where he just took his finger and wrote that on my heart. I gotta back up. Because some of you don't know something that I shared two years ago, and it's, it's foundational. You know, how many of you know the word metanoia? Okay, some of you do. Okay, hold on, some of you. Because <laughs> I'm going to tell you something really beautiful. Um, the word metanoia is a beautiful word with rich, deep meaning. Jesus used the word metanoia. Somehow, though, it didn't get translated right. I'm an elementary school teacher or retired one. And I used to play a, a little activity or game with the kids, and we'd sit in a circle. And I'd have a message. And I'd whisper the message into the ear of the child next to me, who would in turn whisper the message into the ear of the child next to him. And it would go round and go round and go round and go round the circle, whispering, whispering, whispering. And then it'd come back to me, and the child next to me would say what the message was. And guess what? It was never the message. It was missing parts, parts were added, but it was never the pure message that started over here. And that's kind of what happened to the word metanoia. But this can be dangerous when there are words mistranslated in scripture or misexplained in messages because everything, the whole thing changes. So metanoia, originally starting out, means a coming together. It's like coming together in union and agreement. It's like 
here is God, and we're coming together in union and agreement with what he is and what he's saying. It's metanoia. It's a light bulb. It's like, whoa, God, yeah, I see it. You're good. It's a beautiful word. Jesus used it um, when he said, metanoia, for the kingdom of God has come. But you didn't read that in your Bible that way. You read it, repent, for the kingdom of God has come. Repent and metanoia are two different words. Repent was first put in, um, it got lost in translation. We're gonna tell you like only a hundred and some years after Jesus. The church purposely did that. I hate to say purposely. I love to give people benefit of the doubt, but first they put the word penance, which means pay a cost, pay a price. And then they added re to it to get a little more mileage out of it, so it's repent. So now you always have to keep repenting. You have to keep paying, keep paying, keep paying. And years go by, and years go by, and thousands of years go by, and we just have a picture in our mind, repent. And we don't even stop, we just think, repent. And some of us think, well, I'm going this way, I'm gonna repent, I'm gonna change my ways, but that's not. Because that's you changing your ways. A repentance is a, whoa, and your thinking does change, but it's not your will that's changing it. It's your enlightenment, God's revelation. It's your coming into agreement. So I say that because every time you read the word um, repent in the Bible, replace it with metanoia, and what he's saying is have a new thought. Come into agreement with me. You know, when Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God has come, he was saying, I want you to come into agreement. The kingdom of God is already here. When it says in Romans, it's the goodness of the Lord that leads to repentance, he didn't say that. It's the goodness of the Lord that leads to, aha, I'm gonna come into agreement. So so some of what I'm sharing today is stuff that you maybe didn't hear before, because you were maybe here and the person that leaned into your ear hadn't heard correctly, check out everything I say because this is why I say, God is so into relationship. This is the most beautiful and real relationship I've ever known. I was a Christian from the time I was 14, started following him in my early 20s. I walked around my life saying, I've received Jesus, you know. And um, the difference with Christianity is we have a relationship. And I look back and I think how blind I was. I was mimicking words, but I hadn't had the actual depth of relationship. And don't get me wrong, I, was, I read my Bible, I did Sunday schools, I, I did all that. I, I, I did all that, I pursued him. Um, I led Bible study, I loved him. I loved him, and I had encounters with him. But I, there's, so my story begins, well, my story goes on forever, but in 2013, something happened radical, and this is why I carry the love message, because he has been radically unraveling things in my life since 2013, radically unraveling. I'm a little unsteady at times 
at what he's unraveling. So in 2013, it was a rough year, but um, you know, it was a year where my 32-year marriage ended. That rocks you a little bit. Um, but I was passionately following him. I spent time alone. Oh, I, I would spend hours alone with him. I loved him. At the end of the year, I'm a journaler. At the end of the year, New Year's Eve, December 2013, I sat down with my journals for the year, and I sat down with an empty piece of paper. And it was, I was really starting to know that this is God and not just me, like certain things that he would say. So that particular year, I had started to put quotes around things that I heard in my time with him. And so at the end of 2013, I sat down with a piece of paper and I started meticulously up here in my head, oh, he said that. Oh, I was just looking for quotations. I, I was just mentally doing this. I get through my two journals and I get the piece of paper in front of me. I love him. I know he loves me. But this is what it said. Let me love you. Believe that I love you. I love you, Patty. Patty, let me love you. Come away with me. I love you, Patty. And I just start crying. I'm like, I don't get this. I don't get this. And literally, I hadn't picked the message up all year. You know, yeah, you said that, God, and off I go. Um, you know, that's what we do. Oh, that's great, God. Now I'm going to go off and do life. So I'm weeping and bawling because I don't get this. I know that you love me, I say to him. I know you love me. But he had his finger on my heart. And it was hurting. Not in a mean way. It's just like, whoo, I feel that, God. And so I just surrendered. And this is what I've learned the surrender is, God. This is the surrender, guys. Okay, God. Love me. Love me. Because obviously I don't get it. Obviously I don't know what this is. I got this head knowledge. I'm ankle deep in the water of it. But I obviously don't get this. So that was January. April. I'm sitting with him alone. And I had just got up, had my cup of coffee, opened up my journal, had my pen in my hand. And something just started going from my hand. I mean... It was coming from within me, but I had to look some of the words up afterwards. I, I kind of look at it this way, you know, when I said, okay, God, love me. I can imagine the Trinity having a party and celebration. I'm like, finally she surrendered. Finally she surrendered. So I think, um, Pastor Brent used to call God sometimes Jehovah Sneaky, like he like, he just is sneaky, and so here's a sneaky little thing he did in April, April 1st, 2014. I'm writing this prayer, it says, it's pouring from somewhere in me, looking back, it had to be my spirit and his spirit in cohorts. He said, I wrote, I want to peer 
unadulterated love relationship with Abba God, not tainted by religion, works, laws, or man. Just God and I, and he leading me into all truth. I dropped my pencil and I thought, what did I just write? And I look at my dictionary, what does that mean, unadulterated, in this context? What does that mean, tainted? Well, if you taint something, you've just adulterated it. And what I had just, somewhere deep within me, had just cried out, I want it pure. I want it pure. I want it from the source, the messenger, Abba God leading me. I don't want to be over here anymore because the message gets diluted. You know, Jesus said, be careful of the little leaven. Some of us are eating food, friends, and there's leaven in it. There's leaven we don't know, and he's not judging us. He's beckoning us. So 2013, he's saying, come away with me, come away with me. And I'm like, I don't know what any of this means. I don't know what this means. But I love you. So he began to rock my world. And I, I can't even tell you, I, I, he just began to rock my world. But it wasn't easy because he showed me a couple years later somewhere, I don't know, the timeline gets blurry. I'm sitting alone with him. And I'm going to be honest, guys. This is not a law. But this is a relationship. And you will know him to the depths of the time you spend with him. For example, like, I can't know the heart of a stranger. I don't know him. I haven't spent any time with him. A relationship is built through time and conversation. When you said you were angry at God, you know what? I had one of those moments in my life, too. My fists in the air, it didn't, didn't bother him. He knew I was lacking some understanding. It didn't bother him. It doesn't bother him. He knows that we're lacking understanding. I, I, I'm concerned. I am concerned. I'm concerned. And if I'm concerned, honestly, I believe it's God's concern. You know, he says that it was, that it was going to be better for us that he go away. And like, I would have been sitting around the campfire going, I don't think so. Um, but he says, it's going to be better because I'm going to send you a helper, Holy Spirit, who will be with you always. Literally, right now, inside of each one of you is Holy Spirit. And he's, he doesn't do the silent treatment. And he doesn't withhold. He's literally there to help you. He's literally there to help you. But if you don't know Holy Spirit, you don't know the voice. And a lot of us think God's voice is very harsh and judgmental. Can I tell you something? Okay. It's so the word judgment. Don't let me get off the word judgment because I, so there's a couple of you in here that know me and know what I'm going to say about judgment. So please don't let me get off track of that. But I got to show you this file box that God gave me. So I'm a teacher. And one of the lessons, I tried to teach kids, um, you know, comprehension strategies. And so one of the things I teach them about when I'm trying to teach them comprehension strategies is I explain to them, you know, our brain is like a file cabinet. And all of us, our files look a little different. Because our files are put there through our experiences, through things we've been taught, things we've seen, and we create these little files. And I always introduce this concept when we're doing animal research projects. 
So it's like, you, you know, some of you know a lot about dogs because you have a dog. So you have a file in here. It's got lots of dog information. You know they chew things up. You know they need fed. You have a lot of schema. That's the word I would use with my little first and second graders. You got lots of schema, lots of information. Someone else has never had a dog. They've seen a dog, so they have a little file, but maybe not quite so much information. There's probably places in the world where nobody has any information on a dog. But what I explain to the kids is, our schema is always changing. And, I give, and what happens is, some kids, I, ha, I give them a little folder and I say, write down, pick an animal and write down everything you know about this animal. Some of us could pick the topic of God and write everything we know about God. So I say, okay, now we're gonna start researching. So we get our computers out, we read, and now they start writing down things that they're learning. Interesting. Things over here that they know that they know that they know are not or that they think are true, they start finding out that's not true. That's not true at all. So their schema changes and they take out what they thought was true and replace it with truth. The same goes with us. We have lots of files in our head about God. Lots of them. So we have files about God's love. And in here, we have some information about his love. We have files up here about the word repentance, which I just changed some of your files in here when I told you that repentance is not the word that was originally used. So now that file can either be discarded or that file can be marked metanoia and you have new information. Okay, I'm gonna do this one. This is a sacred cow. Do your own research on this one. But I had a file about the sinner's prayer. And I used to go into the jail, you know, and I was telling these girls about God's love. Well, of course, they need to say the sinner's prayer, right? That's just Christianity 101. Gotta get them saved, they need the sinner's prayer. I, I told you, he's unraveling stuff, and some of them is like, ah, 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 I feel that one go. The sinner's prayer's only been around 70 years. 70 years. I said something to a friend of mine, and I really offended her. It's in the Bible. And then she was quiet, isn't it? <laughs> I'm like, well, we did, as man, get up here, and we took some verses in Romans, and we put them around here, and we said, this is the Roman road to salvation. Let me tell you the story about the sinner's prayer. Um, it, it was back in, it was about 70 years ago, it was when the big crusades were starting, you know, the Billy Graham crusades, but, um, and I was gonna reread this because, and brush up on it, but really Google the sinner's prayer, you'll get the history on it. It was, I believe, YWAM, and one of the head guys of YWAM, not the person starting it, but his right-hand man had come to help him, and he came out of sales. He came out of sales. He was a very successful businessman. And he came out of sales, and they were doing crusades, but they wanted to see with their eyes more. So he said, you know what? We need to close the deal. We need to close the deal. And I used to be in sales. The sixth step that I used in sales was 
close. It was called close. You close the sale. You get them to agree with you, and you get them to make the purchase. So the closing the sale in the Crusades became a prayer. And if they say this prayer, the deal is closed. But how many of us were under this understanding that, no, this is like something that needs to be done? Now, it's in good intention, that whole giving your heart to Jesus, it's a good intention, but we have this illusion. I have people, I have had friends that every person they sat down with is, have you received Jesus? Have you said the sinner's prayer? But they're going right to their head and Jesus is into our hearts. This is what, you know, it says Holy Spirit has poured his love not into our head. He's poured his love into our heart. God wants access to our files. But if we hold so rigidly, like the Pharisees, so rigidly, oh, I know what it says, um, and we forget that things get lost in translation, um, we're hindered. My file of the kingdom of heaven has changed. My file about relationships has changed. My file about heaven has changed. My file about sin has changed. See, on the outside, we wanna, like, if you do these things, you're a sinner. But the things that we do are not the issue. So as Christians, we're like, well, if I can fix these things, if I can cut these things off, if I can deny these things, if, if I, if I, if I, if I, if I, if I, that's not the issue. The issue is the depth of the heart. It's the depth of the heart. Those things are just being birthed off of you because you're not rooted and grounded in love and truth. We have so many behavior management plans and God's like, no, I want your heart. I want your heart, let me love you, let me love you, let me love you. So I'm gonna teach you, I'm gonna show you something about our heart. This represents the heart. I was going to the Romans retreat in May to share, and it's kind of funny. Um, when they asked me if I wanted to share, I said I, I need to sit with God, and I need to ask him, because I was really, really ill at that point. And part of my personality is not wanting to let people down. And it's like, I need to sit and ask God if I will feel well enough in a year from now. Um, because I keep believing every year that the next year I'm going to be healed. And then it doesn't seem to happen. And so I know it's a year away, but I got to sit with God. And so I sat with God. And I'm like, God, I maybe misinterpreted all the words you spoke over me. Because you told me I was going to be standing and talking of your love. And I can't really do it when I feel this ill. So maybe I'm just, maybe I did it. Maybe I'm misinterpreting. But if I'm not misinterpreting and you, you want me to go and share your love, you know I, I will. And I heard Spirit say, what do you want? <sighs> That's the relationship, not this is what I want you to do and stop worrying about it. He's just like, well, what do you want? Isn't that like a real relationship I can imagine between a husband and wife? And the wife's like, I don't know, should I do? And the husband would just go, well, what do you want? And he said that to me, what do you want? There's no right or wrong answer. What do you want, Patty? And I started crying. Because <laughs> what I wanted was to 
be able to say yes and go and talk about his love. But my body was screaming everything else. So this is my relationship with him. We, we talk. I said, I want it. And he said, it's yours. So I call him back and I say, yeah, God said, God said. And, you know, I'm trusting I'm going to be better by then. And um, I said, so how long is the session? Because I'm assuming I'm talking a session. I'm thinking, oh, 45 minutes, an hour. And she goes, well, you're the main speaker. I went, I'm the main speaker? And she went, yeah. I'm, oh, okay. Like, how many times am I talking? And she said, oh, four. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, maybe Jehovah's sneaky there because I thought I was saying yes to 45-minute talk. Um, and so it's like, okay. And guess what? May came. And I had a heck of a year, guys. He said it was mine. I lost my job because I was too sick to work. He said it was mine and I'm getting IVs in my arm because my body won't absorb nutrition. He said it's mine, but I no longer have a paycheck coming. But he said, trust our relationship. Trust our relationship, it is rooted and it is grounded in love and don't go anywhere else. Don't go anywhere else. Hebrews says we have to labor to rest. We have to labor to rest. Ephesians. This is Paul praying for us. I arrogantly prayed this for other people in my 20s. It's, I need to pray it for me. I'm just going to read part of it for now. So I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven. And I pray that he would unveil within you. I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power, then, because this is going to happen, you are, you are no longer blind. His power is flooding you. His strength is flooding you. You see how much favor he has and his glory is in you. Then, by constantly using your faith, and that doesn't take a lot because you now see, then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside of you, his life in you, and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. We have to stay rooted and rested in love. They could not enter the promised land because they refused to rest. They refused to obey. Another file of obey. Obey isn't following a list of commandments or rules. Obeying is he whispers in my ear, and I go, okay. He said, let me love you, let me love you, let me love you. And I said, okay, that's obedience. Yesterday, I was going to try to do something. There was a great need, and I immediately went up my brain and went, well, this is how I can meet that need. This is how I can meet that need. And I'm going to tell you, if I told you the story, every one of you would go, yeah, uh-huh, yep, mm -hmm, yep. But it was, I went to start to meet that need, 
and it was almost like, you know, the parent just was like, mm, 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 mm. And I'm like, oh, because you actually want to do that. Okay, okay. Within three hours, my phone buzzes, and there it was, right there. I could have went and met that need, but he keeps saying, I want to show you how much I love you. Let me love you. I've got you. I'm a good husband. You're safe in my arms. I'm going to say the judgment thing, and then I'm going to go on to the heart, because I, I realize I got off the judgment. We are so law-based in our Western culture, and it has come into the church. Ancient Hebrew, there was a teaching by William Paul Young I listened to. Some of you in here, we sat and listened to it together. And he said, he was talking with Hebrew scholars, and he said, in ancient Hebrew culture, they did not view the word judgment like we do. We view the word judgment as a court of law. That is because as judgment was going around the circle in time, it got turned around. It got turned around by some lawyers that had pretty good influence in the scripture and in history. And of course, they, they're lawyers. We all see through our own lens and our own perceptions. So they were, they kind of turned it to this legalistic, do right, guilty. If you're guilty, there's punishment. We have a whole culture that is self-punishing themselves. Oh, that was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. And if it's wrong and you shouldn't have done it, then you're guilty. If you're guilty, you're demanding justice. And we are demanding justice against our bodies and our souls almost all the time. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. I oh, man, ooh, I need to do that. Yeah, gosh darn. It's constant. Listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. God and I had a big talk, three pages in the journal the other morning. He had me write down all the shoulds that I've done to myself. He said, write them down. It was a long list of what I should and shouldn't do. And then I realized, listen to me carefully. I'm saying the word should. I was shoulding on myself. But it sounds like another word. And it really means the same thing. That's what he was saying. You know, he kind of winked. Stop shooting on yourself. I'm not. Stop putting all the, I should, I shouldn't, I should, I shouldn't. Give me some more fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I should, I shouldn't, I should, I shouldn't. This is judgment in the ancient Hebrew culture before it got really messed up. And I wish I had the title of the teaching by William Paul Young. My friend Mary Crone was here and it really rocked her, and she just had to leave because she had somewhere to go, but I could always try to track it down, and she might know the title. But anyway, he was talking to some Hebrew scholars, and it's different judgment. Judgment, from their point of view, is Jehovah Rapha, the healer. You go to a doctor, and he does all these tests and these bloods, and he looks at it, and he judges what's wrong, what's making you ill, what's making you sick so that he can go in and give you the medicine that you need. It's not a gavel going, you are guilty of this. It's like, oh, child, ooh, mm. I see that wound in your heart. Let me touch it. 
That's the judgment of the Lord. So our heart, I was going to give a mess, that message and I, I knew that the message was, I want them to know I love them, but I want them to receive it. I'm like, oh God, God, everybody thinks they know that you love them. And then he took it a little step further and I'm like, okay, God, you're really pushing it now. He goes, I want you to tell them to love themselves because every time they don't love themselves and they're hard on themselves, they're working against me and they're siding with the enemy. They've got to start loving themselves. And I'm like, oh, do you know how that's not going to fly in a lot of people because it's about denying yourself, turning your cheek, giving up everything you have. You got to give me something, God, because I can say, love your neighbor as yourself to them. I can say that, but you got to give me something else. So I, oh, I uh, turned on the TV one day. I wasn't searching. He brought it to me. He's so good at delivering things to me. He literally, I knew I was going to do a file box. I went on a walk. He took me a weird road I never walk on. I go by a, happened to walk by a garage. There at the street is a file cabinet. And I'm like, oh, you really do want me to talk about our mind and all the schema and the wrong ideas we have. So he brought me another teaching. I turned on YouTube. And it was very interesting. This topic intrigued me. It said, the heart brain heart brain. So I click on it. It's by somebody by the name of Greg Braden. I was blown away. I might pull some of that out because it's science and I was like blown away. Okay. So first of all, Greg Braden says one of the most damaging things that ever happened to us as humanity was the teaching of Darwinism because it undermined our value. It stripped us from any value or worth. We're just a glob and he said, now scientists can actually prove that Darwinism is false. They have the science. And actually, they can prove that man showed up on the earth fully endowed, intact, and enabled with everything we needed. That's how he starts his talk off. But he talks about our neural network. And back in the year 1991, there was a discovery of our human heart. Didn't happen till 1991. They started noticing within our heart, we have 40,000 specialized cells sent, concentrated in a very precise way. And they are called sensory neurites. They're brain-like cells, but they're not in our brain. They're in our heart. They're concentrated in such a way that scientists now are calling them the little brain in the heart. We have a little brain in our heart. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. It's amazing. These cells, they have found, these cells in our heart, this little brain, it learns independently from the neurons in our brain. These in our heart think independently. They feel independently, and they actually have their own memories. I say this, he blew me away. It's like, that's the importance of staying rooted and grounded in love. Our heart is where we carry love. That's where Holy Spirit pours it. Our heart symbolizes love. We say, I feel that in my heart. Jesus came to live in my heart. He made our heart think independently and act independently and feel independently and have its own memories. I'm just going to tell you something quick, and I am going to try to get this wrapped up in about 10 minutes, God, guys. 
I love how God works because here's all these notes and one goes somewhere else. But anyway, um, they, this got the attention of some trans, uh, doctors that do transplants. They'd always heard some quirky things about hearts being transplanted. Like, for example, one lady received a heart when her doctor came in to check on her, and she was, she's like, I am hungry. And he goes, we'll get you some food sent up. She goes, no, I do not want hospital food. I want KFC, which shocked her because she had never eaten KFC in her entire life. She was a health food junkie. She didn't, like, but she knew that she knew that she knew she wanted KFC. So she was kind of curious about that and did some of her own private research, come to find out the person whose heart she received, his favorite, favorite, favorite place to eat that he frequent more than one time a week, KFC. That heart inside her had a memory for KFC. You could go, yeah, that's just weird. You know, doctors, they would go, that's weird. Here's one. So there's a little girl, eight years old, and she receives a heart from a 10-year-old girl. She starts having nightmares right away. It's the same one again and again and again. The parents are concerned and they go to talk to the heart surgeon and he's like, you know, you need to go find a psychologist. You need to go talk with someone. I, I, I don't know. So they went to a psychologist and the psychologist listens to the little girl and the psychologist goes, you know, I don't think this is a dream. It sounds more like a memory. It's the exact same thing all the time. So they call in a forensic um, artist specialist, and she, so what it was, she had a dream of a, a man pursuing her and overtaking her. So they did an artistic sketch of this. And it was a relatively small area and community, so they put the picture out, and sure enough, there's a man that matched the picture that the little girl had of the man in her dreams. The little girl also said the man in her dreams always said one thing to her once he got her down. They called the gentleman in, and the gentleman confessed, and the same exact words came out of his mouth. This little girl was having a memory from the heart of the 10-year-old. Our hearts remember. Our hearts remember. That's why God is so intent about our hearts and not our intellect. We are such an intellectual society. We want to solve things. We want surety. We want to figure things out. You know, I'm going to have my 401k. I'm going to have my savings account. My house is going to be paid up. I'm going to have car insurance. I'm going to have pet insurance. I want surety, 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 surety. All up here, all up here, all up here. But yet we say with our lips, I trust you, God. But where is our heart? Where is our heart? So now that you know that your heart live, I mean, literally is magnificently created by God to do those things, I want you to listen to some heart scriptures. Maybe. You know, it might be the one thing. I mean, because the heart scriptures are so different after you hear this. Could it be that I didn't bring them? Well, that's okay, because the one that really gets me, the one that really gets me is um, search my heart and see if there's any anxious way in me. Oh my goodness, search my heart. Literally, search my heart, God, there's memories in there that I don't even know are there. There's things in my heart I don't even know are there, they're so buried. Come search my heart. 
the scripture about a pure heart. Yes, God, that pure, unadulterated love relationship, whatever that has been tainted by religion, works, laws, man, search me. Create a pure heart in me. Yeah, you are redeemed. You are saved. But your heart has become wounded and hurt and dirtied in life. You know how Jesus washed the disciples' feet and Peter was like, I'm not gonna have any of it. It's such a powerful story. We walk through this life and wounds come into this heart that is literally recording everything. We need to sit with him daily and say, search my heart. What weed blew in? What seed blew in? What dust and dirt blew in? Search my heart. Rooted and grounded in love. How many of you are brave enough to go home today and go, love me, God. Love me, God. And the voice will come against you saying, that is so selfish. That is so selfish. You need to be out loving people. You need to be out. That is so selfish. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's the essential ingredient. You cannot set with love and not be radically changed. It's the beholding, it's the beholding, it's the beholding, but we get tugged and we get pulled into that, oh, I should do this, I shouldn't do that. Let me eat this fruit, let me eat that fruit. Give me a plan, give me a role, give me a form uh, prayer, give me a prayer to pray. No, he's saying, come, come, come. He showed me my heart one day, quite a few years back. There was not one ounce of shame, but it was split open, filleted, and I saw all these little black weeds. And then it was poof, gone. I didn't go, oh, God, I'm so ashamed. I, there was none of that emotion. It, it was just like, I want you to be aware of something. Okay. Several years passed. And, and you know that when I gave him the permission to get all the tainting out? I think what it was is you have all these little things that are tainting and we're going to get rid of them. And we got rid of them as I let him go through this schema in my mind. We got rid of him as I let him put his finger on some pretty dang sore wounds. One day he showed me that heart again. I mean, years, and I was just like, whoa, there it is. And it was filleted open again and all those little weeds were gone. Kinda. <laughs> Over in the left corner, bottom corner, there was a big old black one. But I was like, wow, God, you're amazing. Look at my heart. Oh, you did it. I didn't even do it. You did it. All those are gone. You're so good. And it was like he was drawing my attention down here, like an invitation. Look down here, Patty. But I'm like, no, I don't really want to look down there. Um, and I even heard what it was. I just really don't want to look down there. I'm just going to celebrate and party over here that you're doing amazing things in my heart. You're purifying my heart. I really should have taken his offer, like when he said, come away with me. What he was saying is, well, let's talk about this one. Give me some access to this one. But I'm like, I didn't. This is what it is. Striving. It's the root of striving, and it's an ugly root. It's an ugly one. It's entangled with so much stuff. And honestly, the world encourages it. This is what I heard my whole life. You are so responsible. You are dependable. I can count on you. You can count on Patty. Ooh, you should put Patty in charge of that. She's responsible. She'll get it done. Meanwhile, I'm in a very unhealthy relationship, 
and it's all up to me, so I got to do all these things because no one else is doing it. And so I was striving not because I was trying to get his love or anything. I was striving because this is just how the world works. This is just how the world works. You got to figure these things out. You got to do these things. The world rewarded me for my striving, and God's saying, there's no room in your heart. There's no room. Sweetie, this is killing you. This is killing you. It's entangled with a bunch of other stuff. Let me into that. I have let him into that, and it's a hard one because it's surrender. That's a hard one. <laughs> it's a hard one. I'm holding his hand daily, and he keeps saying, trust our relationship. Stay rooted and grounded. Trust our relationship. Stay rooted and grounded. You can let go. You can let go. You can let go. Rooted and grounded in love. It is his heart for each and every one of us. He's so beautiful. He knows exactly what is in your heart, and you might not even have a clue. The science behind the brain heart says from the moment you're in your mother's womb, your heart, the brain heart, starts recording everything. Everything. Everything is recorded in your heart from the time you're in your mama's womb. Part of that, they say, the first six years from womb on was how we were fearfully and wonderfully made. The Lord made us so that we would learn the world and how to navigate it from the people around us and our experiences because ideally, we're healthy and the experiences are good. But sadly, over time, there's more and more broken people and children are are coming into hurts and wounds and, and those hurts and wounds from their family enter into their heart and it affects how they see the world up here and how they perceive it through their heart. He wants access to our hearts. I think he's more concerned with our hearts than our works. I know he's more concerned because what happens when he gets in your heart and you say, oh, I died to this prideful self that says it's selfish for you to love me. I'm just going to die to that. And I'm going to say, go ahead and pour it out, pour it out. More is going to happen through my life when I surrender to love than when I try to work for him. He's saying, return to me face to face. Stop hiding behind that tree of good and evil, good and evil, good and evil, good and evil. Look in my eyes face to face. The Hebrew word for presence is face. We keep saying, oh, God, we want your presence. He's, he's saying, look in my face. Look in my face. You want his presence? Look in his face. It's the face of love. I think the enemy wants us all thinking up here. He could care. He could care less if we're shouting scripture, you know, prayer meetings, bounding around in worship. We can do all of that outside stuff. He could care less. Just doesn't want God into our hearts. He's going to do everything to keep God out of our hearts, the love. Because all the other stuff is powerless if it's not rooted and grounded in love. I believe God's asking us to do something incredibly brave, scary as all get out, is to stop living out of what we think we know is true and take our heart, hand it to him, and let him fillet it and let our decisions be heart-driven. Every time we start the shoulds, we need to go take a breath, step back, and go, no, the heart, God, the heart. 
This is where spirit lives. This is where Holy Spirit lives. You can trust your heart. You can trust your heart. I know a lot of Christianity says, oh, don't trust your heart. It's deceitful. No, no, Christ lives in your heart. He, he lives in your heart. Um, God is so patient. And there's messages he's, he's given to me, and he just takes me back to him because there's another level. There's a deeper level. There's a deeper level. Am I willing to have that relationship? Am I willing to let him hold me and receive that love? Am I willing? William Paul Young is quoted as saying, it is said in Jerusalem, relationship with Jesus was a movement. By the time it got to Greece, it became a philosophy. By the time it got to Rome, it was an institution. When it got to Europe, it became a culture. And when it got to the United States, it became an enterprise. We sell, we sell Jesus. We sell Jesus and we close the sale with the prayer. He's not for sale. He's not for sale. He's a free gift living inside of you. And he wants to touch your heart. He wants access to your heart. He's so kind. He has pointed out things in my life where I'm off track and it's so kind. I wasn't listening to the word striving. I'm like, oh, yeah, this one. Um, so one morning he said the word hypervigilant. Hyper <laughs> it's just another word to say striving, but he's kind of like, we're going to stay on this topic because I'm determined, determined you're going to get free. I'm determined. Back in 15, he started saying to me, one, two, three, one, two, three. And I'm wrapping it up right here, friends. One, two, three. I'm like, what's with the one, two, three? My clock would say one, two, three. I would, you know, I even had a student come up to me, Miss Nasser, look at the page number. It's one, two, three. I'm like, I'm hearing God. I'm not understanding, but I'm seeing one, two, three everywhere. And a year goes by. I love it. I could write a book, you know, Christianity, Faith for Dummies 101, because he, but he never makes me feel dumb. He just keeps bringing it around. So one morning, I'm like, I don't get it. I do not get this one, two, three. Like, is it paths? Like, take a step and then another step. I don't get it. And I heard the song playing Michael Jackson, ABC. I just heard it in my spirit. I hadn't heard that for decades. I'm going to read you the lyrics. <laughs> I'm going to teach you, teach you, teach you all about love, dear. All about love. <laughs> Sit yourself down, take a seat. All you got to do is repeat after me. A, B, C, as easy as one, two, three, or simple as do, re, mi. A, B, C, baby, you and me. It says, come on. I just noticed this this morning. Okay. I didn't pick this word up. He had told me this previous years in 2013. This is the lyrics. Come on. Let me love you just a little bit. Come on. Let me love you just a little bit. I'm going to teach you how to sing it out. Come on, come on. Let me show you what it's all about. It goes on to say, reading, writing, and arithmetic, intellectual knowledge, are the branches of the learning tree. But without the roots of love every day, girl, your education ain't complete. Teacher's going to show you, show you, show you.
when he gave me that song, what I caught that day years ago was the roots, the roots. Okay, a second, I gotta see this. The roots, without the roots of love. But this morning, he opened my eyes up. Well, come on, come on, come on. And that's what he's saying right now to you. He's saying, come on, let me love you. Come on, believe it's that scandalous. Are you brave enough? What if we all focused on heart and receiving love and receiving it, receiving it, and let him pull weeds that are stopping until our heart is flowing with his love for us, it will overflow to him and to the world. And that's what's going to change the world. All of man's intellectual formulas aren't doing too good. Just look around the world. All of this is not saving us. This love, God's going to save us. Um, Bob, could you come? Did you leave, Bob? Because I was so long. Could you come up and play? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's so funny. When they asked me um, to do the women's retreat, and I said, four messages. God, I don't have four. What am I going to talk about? And obviously, I, I filled up the time. So today, <laughs> and so today, you know, this last couple of weeks, I'm like, switch. It's like, God, God. One message? How am I going to keep it in one message? Um, I don't think we can talk about God's love enough. It is not a fluffy message. It is a powerful message. So would you play, uh, play and I'm going to pray. That's a tongue twister. I thank you for listening, and um, I am sorry I've kept you. Um, my heart is passionate. I can't even put it into words. I've tasted, literally tasted and seen his goodness. And I see it daily. I see it daily. I see it daily. He's been taking me from my itty-bitty understanding. The mixed-up ideas I have of him. He's been putting his finger on my heart, and it is all done in kindness. Anytime you hear a voice that is chastising you, it is not the voice of God. It's a lying voice. Papa God. You're so faithful. You're so good. You're so kind. You're so real. You're so big. You're so big. Break us out, God. Break us out. Break us out. Break us out of our little mindsets of our forms and our rules and our procedures. God, take your hand and swipe our heart clean. Swipe it clean, God. Wreck us with your love. Wreck us with your love. Right now in this place, God, I just pray that there are hearts in here that will just feel the oil of your love being poured into their heart, just easing, easing, easing that heart. You're not judging us for fear. There is no condemnation. Fear is just an emotion saying, ooh, invite me in, child. Ooh, I'm going to come in with some love, child. There's no condemnation for fear. <laughs> no. I see you. I see you. And he wraps his arms around us. Imagine him wrapping his arms around you, drawing you in tight, kissing you on the top of your head and saying, I am so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. You are so brave. You're doing good. You're doing good, child. I love you. I love you. I love you. 
you that you go with us. And he who began a good work is faithful to complete it. So we rest in the arms of love. We keep our roots in love, God. We give you full permission to have your good and perfect way. In your beautiful, precious name, Jesus, amen. Hey, can we just say thank you to Pastor Patty this morning? Can you stay up here for just a second? Yeah, say thank you. Oh, man. And no apologies necessary, right, guys? That wasn't that just um, incredible. Um, I, I want to pray. Would you, would you pray with us um, for Patty? Um, I really believe that... Uh, God has given you a gift um, to teach, to impart, to pastor, and uh, there are probably more platforms and, and stages and classrooms in your future than you probably see, but um, I don't know, I just felt, and I think there'd be other people in the room that would agree, it just felt like we we're sitting and just being poured into this morning from the heart of the Father. And it's, it's so easy to see you ministering out of the overflow. Um, Patty, you're a vessel that the Lord pours into, and you walk in the overflow, and you, you minister out of that, and you teach out of that. And so it's so easy for, I think, for, for me to see, probably others in this room to see, um, A future where you have, and I, you know that God has a purpose and a plan that's better than you know you can ever think of or imagine. But uh, that, that's that's just—I I just want to say it to you again, afresh this morning. It's 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 bigger than you can think of or imagine. <laughs> and there's a reason that He stirred up these giftings in you, and there's a um, there's there's platforms for those to be released from. And so would you just reach out your hands this morning um, as we just pray and, and release Patty for all that, uh, that God has for her. I'm going to pass this to Deanna if you would pray. Just I saw the, um, like the obstacle course, basic training that people go through and they, they go through it and they, they stumble and, and some of them don't finish it and, and they, they work through those weeks of trying to build up and, and get better at it and faster at it. And then I just saw you climbing that, that wall and just obliterating the previous record that was set and not by your strength. And I don't believe that God gave you the struggles that you've gone through. But I believe that in those struggles, you can see that in your weakness, he is strong. You aren't gonna break those records on your own. You aren't gonna be able to love the people that he's called you to on your own. You aren't gonna be able to even stand up here and speak this message on your own. It's by his strength. And that's way more than you need. So I just thank you, Jesus, that you touch Patty, 
from her head to her toes and all the way back up again. That you pour more into her, into her body, into her spirit, into her mind than she can even imagine. Lord, the blessing flowing into her to flow out of her. I thank you for the lives that she will touch, for the countries that she will minister to, The struggles that she has gone through are not an end point. They're not even a middle point. Just a just a a point in this journey that you are walking her through and with. I thank you, Jesus, for strength supernatural, for courage supernatural, for faith supernatural, for healing supernatural. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the people and the lives that she will touch, for those people that will come to know you, not just in a rote way, but in a life-changing, spirit-blossoming way. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, we just we just thank you, too, Lord, that um, she's a divine... Lord, introduce her, somebody that uh, makes connections in a way that uh, introduces people to the person of, of Father God, to Holy Spirit, to the Son as, as uh, somebody that when you really get to know somebody, when you, you introduce people in a way that um, you don't just know a, a person by name, but you really get to know somebody. You're, you're that person. And so you, you walk in that, that purpose and that identity. And, uh, oh, um, I, you know, I, I could, I could argue with Holy Spirit uh, uh, about, you know, why we haven't seen healing breakthrough. But I, I just want to say again this morning that you are healer, and that you are the God of the breakthrough. So we know that Patty walks in a source, and she's rooted in your love. But God, we pray for healing in her body this morning, and we just declare you as healer in her life. And uh, Lord, we know that regardless of the, the. You know, that comes in the way or the time or the season we want. We know that her source is in you and that she'll keep on walking rooted and grounded in you. God, we pray and declare you as healer. <laughs> and Lord, we ask for that in your mighty name because we know your name is mighty and your name is above every other name. So God, we just declare um, your goodness and, and your past and your plans for, for Patty, God. And we just uh, bless her this morning. In your mighty name we pray, amen.